Welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show, where we tackle all of the causes of stress in your life in a way that is fun and practical. Our goal is to save your life, save your assets, save your relationships. And if you're an entrepreneur, hang on, we're going to save your sanity. And to help us do that, I want you to help me welcome to the stage, Rita Thomas. So come on into the studio, Ms. Thomas. Here we go. All right, there you are, Rita. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you are very welcome. Look at you in all your silver. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, How are you? I am very well. I have so enjoyed uh, watching your your interviews with the others, and especially the veterinarian, Cindy. That was so eye-opening because I... Being an outsider like you are, we just take our pets to them and they're so loving. We had no idea the turmoil that they're going through. And it's especially tragic because they they care so much. The, the empaths and the caregivers and the healers, they, they care so deeply. And yet when they are attacked, I was... It was an eye-opening for me <laughs> to hear her. So thank you for bringing her to me. Oh, you're very, very welcome. How many pets do you have? Let's just start because you don't have elephants. What do you have? I don't have elephants. Actually, I don't have any pets right now. My family growing up was always a dog family. We, I did have a cats as an adult a couple times. And, um, but if I had, if I was to get a pet, it would be a dog someday. But we don't have any pets in our house right now. But my my neighbor is a veterinarian, and pretty pretty young, just thirty years old. So, pretty young uh, veterinarian, and she did mention to me a few weeks ago that suicide is high among veterinarians. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, there we go. I appreciate the fact that you had an eye opening experience. I can't yeah. wait to see all the other speakers too. I've been really enjoying all the content that you've been bringing today. Well, I'm glad because now, darling, it's your turn. My turn. I really <laughs> want to help. Okay. No, you don't have to watch the chat. That's our job. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just free you up because I know as an entrepreneur, we are so used to multitasking and oh, trying to keep up with everything. So you do not have to do anything other than be your own brilliant self. So wow. that's fantastic. We brought up a big elephant. Yeah, when, when it comes to being an entrepreneur, well, and in my world, it's not just because I'm an entrepreneur. It is also because I have a partner. Okay. And when it comes to chaos and clutter and a lack of automation, yeah. I am married, well, partnered with the poster child. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, he's um, allergic to tech. Um, oh computer, and, and if I had not witnessed this with my own eyes, I would not have believed it. I have watched computers crash when he walks into a room. That's amazing. It is the power of manifestation. His <laughs> belief that, that computers are out to get him is just something that is powerful. It's more powerful is, than technology. I have never seen such an example of manifesting what you believe. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you know, tell us a little bit about your journey into this world of chaos and clutter and stuff, because I know it's not a straight line. No, actually, I I have a twofold journey. So ever since I was a child and a young adult, I've always been very organized. I love square peg, square hole. I like, I don't, didn't like adventure very much, but I loved organization. And if you think about a pendulum and the way it swings. So over here, you're having a lot of fun. Life is good. You're not very responsible for very many things. And over here, you're extremely responsible. You're not very much fun. People generally don't maybe want to be with you. They love you, but you're not fun at all. And so most people, a lot of people just live right here. They have enough of the responsibility to get through daily life and they have enough fun. And then you can swing that pendulum throughout here and have a successful life and be a very happy person. And other people are happy to be around you. So I had, I was, I had, was just so heavy on this responsibility. Things just have to be a certain way. My you standards, were not a middle, you were not a middle of the road kind of person. I was not. Ah. And I, but I felt, I love rules. I like rules because I know I'm doing it right. Cause I seek praise. And so if I, if you give me the rules, that makes me happy because then I can do it right. The hard part about a person like that is I want everyone else to do it right too and obey the rules. And so that's really frustrating for someone like me. So when I got to tell you something very, very strong would have to break that hold. And see, I was in the military. Oh, I, I that would be perfect. Yeah, I thrived in the military. I loved it. Every single thing we did, literally have a regulation, like where you put your stripes on your arm, every single thing you do has a regulation to go with it. Everybody had to go by the same regulation, which made me really happy. <laughs> right? So I did thrive in that um, environment. So, but this kind of living way, way over here, it can be very, very hard on your relationships. And I, and I ended up divorced and I'm not going to say that it was my fault because I was too rigid. It was just part of it. But that was the, the epiphany for me. It was the point in my life when I said, I don't even like being like this. Right. So I said, from now on, I'm going to enjoy life and I don't care if the laundry gets done and I don't care if the living room is clean. And I had the children and we were going through this divorce and I would sit on the floor and play with them. And literally my apartment just went to pot. (laughs) So I was living over here like, hey, whatever. I did go to work on time. You know, I did my job, paid my bills, but I was I said, I'm going to enjoy life and I'm going to show my children that life doesn't have to be like this, right? So then I swung way over there for a few years. (laughs) And now, you know, that was nearing my 40s. And so now for, you know, two or three years, (laughs) I've been kind of trying to really hard try to hover right in here and be definitely responsible enough and yet just throw caution to the wind sometimes and let the wind be in my hair and so that's a little bit about me and so I'm, I'm trying real hard to to live right right in there and be responsible enough 
And so that's why the automation has been something that I can um, really get a hold of because it's that those rules, you know, it's driven by rules. This happens and then that causes that to happen. And that causes that to happen. And so that makes me happy. But then there's all the creative because I'm also a professional photographer. <laughs> so, so there's that creative side. And when I, if I just it can uh, blend right in to how I can help business people and how I have, especially this past year, so many people that I knew who were in business feared that their business would close during the pandemic. And, but we worked together one-on-one -on -one safely and did their branding pictures, did some video, got it out there so they could stop the scroll on social media, attract that ideal client, do those transactions, keep their business running. And so being a professional photographer and knowing how to do the automation is a perfect marriage of my skills because you need the photography in your landing pages and your emails and your website. So it just all blends together into magic. <laughs> all right. So, so we're going to make some magic happen. Actually, yeah. we're, we're going to, I'm going to be full disclosure. When we talk about chaos and clutter, it's not just my guy. His shows up in all of our common areas with papers and, and things that don't uh -huh. get put away. Mine shows up in my business. I have dozens, maybe even hundreds of photographs that are not anywhere visible to the world. Yeah. You know, professional headshots, pro professional full photo shoots. I have flown, I have worked, I have, but what I didn't have was a system or an automation. So they are yet to be shared with the world. Yeah. <laughs> When all that, all that brilliance is just just sitting there. Yeah, well, the photographer was absolutely brilliant. There is no doubt. Um, me, I just showed up. Yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, literally, I had no clue what the pictures would be useful for. Mm -hmm. So without, it's like, um, you know, a rebel without a cause. Right. The, the reality is that I was an entrepreneur without a strategy. Ah, yeah. And so when it comes to this marriage of creativity and automation, something that can cut through the chaos and the clutter, yeah. Rita, where does someone get started? Well, I'll tell you, almost all of the entrepreneurs that I know, a large majority of them, they started their business for freedom, freedom from the boss or the rules or the structure, freedom to actually make a huge impact on the world and yet it turns out to be a very lonely place at the same time because being in business for yourself and working a lot of times by yourself you don't have any cheerleaders you don't have even a peer to say what do you think about this so that can be a really lonely place and then the worst part is, oh, and this makes me really mad when I hear the, the big business machine quoting and spouting wisdom like 50% of all businesses fail in the first year or three years. Take, take whichever statistic is floating around at the time. And they want you to believe that you can't cut it. And 
a lot of entrepreneurs, it just breaks my heart when entrepreneurs, they have a good, great product. They have a great service. They want so badly to, to help the public and make that impact on the world. And they fall for that myth and they start to think, why did I think that I was capable and someone who should start a business? So it sounds like the first place that somebody's going to have to start is to check in with what myths are they believing? That's right. Because clear, because chaos and clutter and this mythology. I mean, if I'm sitting here thinking, oh my God, I got a 50% shot that I'm not going to make it to be able to pay my bills this month. That creates a lot of mental clutter. It really does. And, and let, so, let me tell you, I just lost my head thought right out of my head yeah. just anybody just like see a, that elephant you know <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were just saying um that yeah, the, the oh, idea here's that why he, businesses fail okay. here's why businesses fail they don't make enough money fast enough to keep pace with their expenses period that's okay. why businesses fail. It's right. not because you're inadequate or because you did it wrong or you picked the wrong time or the wrong product. It's because your system or your method of bringing in money didn't keep pace with your expenses, period. So what you can do is first have a great product. Second, have a great vehicle for getting the word out there, finding the right people that need that product and convincing them that you're the one and then making them very, very happy. So they tell all their friends and they bring even more people, right? Sounds really simple, right? All right. So I got those four steps. I'm going to repeat them just to make sure I got them. Have a great product. We all believe we have built the best mousetrap in the world or we wouldn't right. have gone out on our own. That's right. Have a great delivery system. Mm -hmm. And then you said something about the convincing the right person. And th yeah. there's, there's a, a language thing. I would absolutely agree with delivering it to the right person. Because if they're exactly. truly the right person, I don't have to convince them. That, and that is so true. You just need to know who it is identify your target market. I know we've all heard that phrase, identify your target market, know who that person is. And then you use words that are going to grab their attention to actually attract them to you and at least get them to look at you. All right. And, and go ahead. And your last one was, of course, wow. Them. You know, the last one is yeah. to make sure that you deliver and that they want to share about you. But all right, come on, Rita, let's back this up. Okay. All right, let's back this up. What's your story? How did okay. you figure this out? Oh, my goodness. So I have been a professional photographer for 12 years. Okay. And I had built, and I had a day job the entire time. So I built. Day, wait, wait, wait. What was your day job? I work in an office, and I've, I've had day jobs where I was an HR manager, I've been a training coordinator, um, operations manager, and most recently I run the front desk at at, at okay. So so pe all all people related positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Cool. I love people. Yeah. yeah. So I always had a day job. So that made it really, really difficult to run a business, especially photography. But I specialized in event photography. So usually those were in the evening and weekends. And I did a very good job and I became recommended, highly recommended. I was, I had excellent skill, excellent equipment, and people were paying my price list. And I was able to not have to discount just to, to attract somebody, right? So okay, and, you identified two things and we're going to pause there for just a second mm-hmm. because you did something that scares the crap out of most entrepreneurs. <laughs> you niched. I did. You, you identified a compatible group of clients who would need your services the hours that you were available to deliver your services. What a concept. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're niched and you're a specialist, people don't um, argue price as much is what I've discovered. That's exactly right. They know they need you. And if you've done a good job, your name is out there and your name is associated with that particular thing that they need. Mm -hmm. So they they trust you because you're being recommended by their friends. Makes a huge difference, but I don't want to bypass that piece about this because when it comes to the one thing that struggles most people the most is being willing to say, I work with this group group. and it's this big. I get challenged on this all the time for two years. I mean, this has been a two-year journey with creating the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. And first I tried to make it about positivity. And then I tried to make it about suicide in general. In general. And it wasn't until I was on my third TEDx coach and he woke up one morning and called me and said, it hit me like a wet fish across (laughs) my face. Stop talking about suicide Mm -hmm. and start talking about how to stop teen suicide. And I'm like, but, but, and he's like, "Mm -mm." and that decision changed the way that I was able to stand on a stage because I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not an expert at all of these other things. What do I know? I know what it's like to raise a suicidal child. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's my area of expertise. That is power. I did not go to college for this, people. I did not sign up for it. I didn't volunteer for it, but it is right. And so when I became willing to niche, that helped a great deal because then yeah. I was able to find my voice. I was able to be clear, clear about it. Yeah. When you're known for an event, you know, I'm an event photographer. Yeah, I don't do you know, these things. I do this thing. That's right. Makes it easy for people to refer to you. Exactly. And another thing that really made it easy is there are a lot of photographers in my area. I have a feeling there are a lot everywhere, but they really are either wedding photographers or portrait photographers. Mostly mm-hmm. we have some nature photographers because we have the great smoky mountains. We have um, real estate photographers, but for people who take pictures of people, it's either portraits, weddings, and events. Of course, wedding photographers, a lot of times do events, but those portrait photographers, they do not like events. And I'll tell you why with an event, 
you can't control anything. You can't control the lighting, where people are standing, what kind of face they're making when they're talking or laughing or, or what position they are to the light that's coming in the room. Nothing. And somehow that really, that just jazzes me up. I, I love that challenge. Whereas it gets you swinging on the other end of that pendulum away from the structure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it so really does balance. Yeah. yeah. They want to spend, and this just is agony for me, like two or three minutes just to how your hand is touching the window, just that finger right there. I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> that makes me crazy. So they want to control everything everything and you can in the studio you control the light what the model is doing everything in the studio so the great thing is we just refer each other if they get asked to do events they refer them to me if I get asked to do portraits I can refer them to them and so it, it makes for a really great relationship with the photographers in the area too cool that that's so lovely that's so lovely so how did niching down control your chaos Oh my goodness. Well, for one thing, I was being asked to, as soon as someone sees you with the camera or knows that you're a photographer, you're being asked to take all kinds of hike up the mountain and take my family pictures at the top of the, of the bald. And, and we're going on a boat out, you know, we, to the floating dock thing. We want pictures of our drunken party. <laughs> that's a, it's a $4,000 camera going out into the lake, right? So everything you can think of people in general, don't know that there are different kinds of photographers. So niching down, it was so easy for me because it's hard to turn down money. It's very hard when you're a budding entrepreneur and you have this dream to leave your day job and you say, no, I'm not going to take that money from you and go and photograph that thing. And so, but it helped a lot to know who I am, where I'm going, what kind of photography I am, where my zone of genius is. And so that helped me a lot to be able to say no to jobs that were not because I wasn't going to give them the highest quality product either. If I tried to do this photography that wasn't mine. Niche. You know, it's interesting when you know your zone of genius. I actually watched a jeweler tell someone, no, I will not attempt to repair your ring. There's oh, wow. no way I can make a good job of this. And your stone is likely to shatter. Oh, and wow. I am not willing to do anything less than a good job. So the answer is no. Wow. And that's It was five minutes with this family trying to negotiate, trying to argue, trying to say, wouldn't you please, you know, we understand the risk. You know, you know, and, and it was really, really interesting. Um, when they left and she had to deal with me, she was still carrying a lot of that energy because it was obvious that she felt very bullied in that situation. And, and she wasn't having it. She was just yeah, good for her. Yeah. Nope. Not changing my rules. So your rules around being an event uh, photographer are lovely, but how did the automation come in? That is, that is a, an amazing story too. So I have described 
a little bit how entrepreneurs feel. I mean, literally, your hands are on your head. You have this insurmountable task list, inconsistent cash flow. You, you have the weight of the world on your shoulders because your family, your clients, and your employees are counting on you to keep all the balls in the air if you're the juggler. And I, that's what I had, too. I ha I'm the sole breadwinner in my family, and I wanted to leave my job and <laughs> be an entrepreneur at 58 years old. And so that was very scary. And, but yet I knew I could do it. I had very high self-confidence. What I didn't have, though, I had the talent, the equipment. I had the reputation, everything. I had the price. People were paying my price. But I didn't have systems running. I did not have a business running underneath that. I had literally everything in my head. I had sticky notes all around my computer. I had legal pad after legal pad with information I couldn't find because it was somewhere on my desk about a client who called a month ago that I need to follow up with. And I knew I would never be able to leave my day job and run a business without systems. So I started looking for all of them. I mean, you need a calendar. You need an invoicing system. You need a CRM, which is a client relationship management software where you keep all your peeps in there. And you need two or three other things. You need a counting system. You need them to track everything that you're doing, keep you on track so you can be somewhere on time, make deals. But yet you also need them so you can think strategically, be the visionary, make decisions about your brand and how your company appears in the public. And that's the main thing that you need to do. You're the face of the company. You need to be leading that company, even if it's only you. If you have client, um, employees, you need to be leading them. And so you don't need to be with your hands on touching every single deal at every single stage. And that's what I was doing. And I was doing it with sticky notes and legal pads. So I found, I started to find all these different so software systems on all these different websites that I needed. And I said, okay, I'm just going to buckle down. I'm going I'm to have all these systems. Well, then first you had to pay for each and every one of them, learn how to use them, and then try like heck to get them to work together somehow so your company can operate meantime that by itself is a full-time job all that is a full-time job by itself meantime you're trying to run a business so you're producing your widget or you're servicing your clients coaching them whatever it is and you don't have time for all this trying to find all these things and make them work together well it sounds like you were struggling with finding the time and yet you manage. So I, did. So I, I found out that there are some software packages. They have all those pieces and they're made to work together. They're already integrated. <laughs> so, so let's get all the pieces together just so that somebody knows. Yep. Okay? So the pieces were a calendar, yep. accounting, a CRM, yep. someplace yep. to keep your client information. Mm -hmm. And then what else? I mean, like I a sales I, pipeline, a way to track when a lead goes from just um, you're pursuing them to then you've got them contact, then you've sent them a letter and you've had one discovery meeting. And then when they're ready to buy, they go out of the pipeline. But you need to be tracking all of your leads in a pipeline as well. 
Okay, so something that keeps to that keeps things where you know what your next point of contact is exactly. with someone. Yes, your okay, follow up. So, you know, the fortune is in the follow up. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard the fortunes in the follow up, and the riches are in the niches. And Ooh, so we're going to good. prove the truth of both of those probably by the time that we're done. Calendar, CRM, accounting, and a pipeline—a way to track the process. Yeah. Okay, did we miss anything? So. There are several platforms like that, and some of them include some other external things like social media and websites. But if you have, you just find one of those platforms that works for you, then all of it's already integrated. That's the beauty of it. You can import your contacts, let's say from your email. Most people have their contacts either in their Outlook or their Gmail account. You just pull them all into that system and you just start rocking and rolling. And right, so stop right there because that, that, is such, that is such an elephant in the room that just waltzed right behind you. Okay. The elephant's name is organization. And so for you to skip the organizing piece, like you're just going to bring all your contacts in and rock and roll. Yeah. That is a myth. And the reason I know it's a myth is because I did that years ago yeah integrated platform imported all of my contacts with zero tagging organization yes. setting the piece of peeps in the so so stop you're not going to skip this with me <laughs> no you're, right. you're a systems person and you didn't I get am. the system and all you right, know there, there there's the flaw sometimes too and it comes naturally to me and it's something that i know is it happens and it's supposed to happen it's sometimes you can just gloss over it and i appreciate that sister. so you do want to, uh, and how I, to all right so somebody brand new how do they what are the ways the simplest easiest way for them to organize their email group before they bring it into a crm because it's a hot that. mess to do it afterwards. i love that so this is what i did when i brought mine in so mine okay. was in gmail okay it could be in Yahoo or wherever you have yours, but you're going to export it as uh, a spreadsheet and it, it'll just tell you exactly how to do that. If you don't know any of these steps, someone like me can help you. That's one of the things that I do. But you export all your contacts out of your system, wherever you have them, mm -hmm. into a spreadsheet. What I did is, and this is what I recommend, in that spreadsheet, you make a new column and you say... This is a client, this is a friend, this is a relative. And even within your clients, if you have more than one product line, I would say photography client, automation client. I would say any other thing that I, they are a charity organization. They do fundraisers. So that sets them apart from a paying Right, because you could get asked to do sure. a lot for a charity thing. Yes. So you tag, quote, tag them or you identify them, give them a identifier in the spreadsheet. And then when you import them and you bring them all into your CRM, you can tell the CRM, whatever it says in here, keep that, keep that identifier with them. And most CRMs are going to call that a tag. They're going to tag that person with that information. So, for example, I belong to Women's Prosperity Network. 
And so everyone that I connect with through from that group, they get WPN tag. If they attend a specific kind of uh, networking with a twist event and I'm in a breakout room with them, I tag them networking with a twist WPN. So there's several WPN tags in my system. And that helps me remember when I look at them, oh, I've been in a breakout room with her a few times already. So then before I call her or reach out to her, then I've got a little information about how I've connected with her in the past. Also, when once you have those tags, those identifiers on those people, here's another way I use it. I'm a photographer. So in order for me to service your needs, you need to pretty much be in the same town with me, right? You have to kind of be in the same, okay, within yeah. a few feet of me, right? So all the people I know in other states, they probably don't want to know that I'm doing mini sessions coming up, or I've got this event that I'm going to be at, and they can come and enjoy the festivities and see me because some people just want to meet and greet, right? Mm -hmm. So I tag people when I meet them, if they're local Knoxville or not. Well, I pretty much just tag local Knoxville because if they're not, then I don't tag them. But I do tag my hometown if they live or are from my hometown, because if I'm going home, it's yeah. a little homecoming, then I want everyone to know that I'm coming home. So I tag them for geography as well. So if I'm going to send out a uh, message about mm -hmm. some local photography that I'm doing, then I'm not going to necessarily include people who live all over the world. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. And I'm sure that I'm not the only one who would appreciate that if more people understood how to do this. And, exactly. and you're right. I've heard it called tagging. I've heard it called segmenting a list. I've heard it called knowing your buckets. What I haven't heard is how the heck do you do it? Everybody's told me what to do, but not how to do it. So this first step of exporting it to a spreadsheet, mm -hmm. adding some columns for the different ways that I might sort my list, like all the people from Knoxville, all the people from your hometown, the people that you've met from this group um, or that you've met from that group. So, and I'm, I'm absolutely, I've got two brains going in the background. And, and one is I'm absolutely loving this conversation because it's elegant in its simplicity. And it applies to anything that you want to organize, not yeah. just contacts on That's a spreadsheet. That's exactly right. That's and exactly right. You can even track your contacts on a spreadsheet if you're not ready for the, the higher level of automation. Because I ran That's a sales right. department on a spreadsheet for years before there were all of these other things. Yeah. And I've totally forgotten that skill set. Go mm -hmm. figure. The other part of me that, that's really upsetting is there are so many people telling people what to do and not how to do it or not understanding the implications of it. And some of them are experts. Some of them work for these tech companies. And so they're, they're absolutely certified by the tech company to guide you to getting these things set up. And I'm just the cautionary tale. If it doesn't make sense to your brain, don't do it. 
Yeah. Or ask and say, wait, slow down. Mm-hmm. I'm paying you to help me. And I don't understand what you just yeah. said. You, you be, be brave. You're paying that person or that person at least is purporting that they are going to help you. Yeah. It's, they, yeah. You need to say, whoa. That's why, I mean, uh, granted, I think they all have our best intentions at heart. I just think that not everybody's brain works the same. So what makes sense in organization to one person might not make sense in organization to another. So it's, it's really just quite a journey um, that an entrepreneur goes on. Yeah. And you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that fall into one of two categories and it's especially sad. They, They either don't have a CRM and they need one or they even have one, they're paying for it every month and they don't use it because they, they're afraid of it. They don't understand it. And the main reason when I get past that first fear and that first, I don't understand it, they don't have confidence what's going to happen when they click that send button. All right. don't know, I, I, they don't want to look like a fool to their clients. Oh, I've got some post-traumatic automation disorder. Do I really? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, What my experience is, is probably not the norm. But my brain also does not work the way that the majority of people's brains work. So what made sense to me ended up not making sense to my computer. So if your brain works differently than the way a computer is organized, get help. Yes. And keep the help. Keep with somebody who knows you if you can Exactly right. That's exactly One of the right. Challenges I had, I realize now in hindsight, is that I had someone help me for a few weeks, and then I had someone help me for a few months, and I had someone help me for a different few weeks, and so I had too many people's um, structures all right. trying to be integrated at the same time. That's so right. Oh my god. Tech. Um, oriented. It's not, I'm not tech savvy. I ran my summits on my own for a while. Thank God I don't have to anymore. (laughs) Well, I used to do 16 interviews over four days. Now, because I have the help, I do 12 a day. Wow. Wow. So I do 24 over two days. And that only happens because I was willing to allow people whose brains are more systemized, more system oriented mm-hmm. and automation oriented than mine. So we don't get through life alone, especially as an entrepreneur. That's my big thing. No matter how That's much right. automation there is, we still need other people around. We absolutely do. And that's a cautionary tale in, in and of itself. The automation, you can't automate everything. And you don't want to. Sometimes the best thing you can do in business is that little handwritten note to someone who purchased something from you or did you a good turn. You can't automate that. But one thing you can do to help yourself, because you don't want to walk around for three days remembering, okay, on Friday morning, I'm going to write Sally a note. But you can, inside your system, send yourself a task that's going to pop up on Friday morning that says, here are all the people you need to write notes to, and here's why. So you can just start writing your notes and it won't be living in your brain all week long, trying to remember that you have to do that on Friday. So some things you don't, you can't, and you don't want to automate. 
There we go. All right. You can help yourself. That's the perfect segue into your gift for everybody. Here we go. Five things about automation you need to know. And so that is the perfect gift for this conversation around clutter and chaos and how automation helps and when it doesn't. So yes, yes. yes. You know, Rita, this has just been delightful. Thank you for being willing to share your story. I have enjoyed this so much. Thank you very much for having me. I I know that I'm going to get great benefit from watching all the other presenters as well. And it's just been an honor to spend this time with you. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm really grateful for all the wealth of knowledge that you brought, the perspective, and the fact that you were willing to share the pendulum ride. Yeah, yeah. that's a lovely <laughs> analogy. <laughs>